Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. I was uh, sitting there getting some rest last night after really a big week of getting our draft guide over at hoop-ball.com up and running, and that's released. And so, you know, sitting there, job well done, and got the feet up, and then across the wire came this Ty Lawson stuff, and I was like, wow, basketball news. This is awesome. Wow, we got something to talk about. I mean, yeah. We got something to talk about, I, I guess. I mean, uh, do we? Do we not? I we're gonna have to wait and see on this because this is a uh, this is a muddy subject. It's a muddy subject, man. It's it's one. Isn't of it always though? With the Sacramento Kings, it is always <laughs> muddied, and and it has repercussions. And we're gonna talk about a lot of that. Um, but first, we're gonna delve in. We we don't know the contract details yet, but it does appear that the Sacramento Kings have inked Ty Lawson, former Denver Nugget, former Houston Rocket, former Indiana Pacer to a one-year deal. Uh, the Kings are, are out of out of cap room, so this is either for the veterans minimum, which in that case I would assume that it would be non-guaranteed. We'll see. Or it could be for the biannual exception, which is $3 million. Uh, they only have one of two options there. They can't sign him to any other deal. Uh, so it's a low budget, but Aaron, is it a low risk, high reward pickup? And that's something that I think takes a little bit more delving into than at first. You know, when I wrote the initial thing for CSN, I sent it in and I put it's a low risk, uh, high reward pickup, just like the Rondo deal. But is it really? And I think that that really is going to be the discussion that we have with Ty Lawson. Yeah, I think high rewards probably a little too high. I, I I think I wrote it as decent reward. Uh, there's big time question marks on the basketball. Let's just do basketball first. Big time okay. question marks on the basketball side. Uh, last year for Houston, he had lost his explosion. He lost a lot of everything. I mean, and and part of that could be attributed to the major major um, just you know steps down he's taken in his career. He could lost his confidence. But it did look like he lost his fastball. And so the other thing that came up is it appeared like he might have been a byproduct of the drive and kick system in Denver. And that's something for a player his size with his quickness uh, that, you know, was really what he hung his hat on. Now, he was able to score as well in Denver. And and that was a part of what we didn't see in Houston. And we de- definitely didn't see it in Indy. Um, so... On the basketball side, I don't think he's really a candidate to be this kind of top-tier point guard that people probably thought of him as about three, four years ago. So um, 25 minutes a game, you know, maybe in a backup role, uh, maybe in a placeholder starters role uh, is something that I could see his upside being. So 
do the Kings even get to tap into that though? Is he going to be able to really scratch that this year? And then what do they get if that actually happens this year on a one year deal? You know, are they able to keep him in house and and really reap the rewards of of taking this risk? I don't know. Yeah, see, I think that's kind of the issue that I have. It's that once again, you sign a guy to a one year deal with no strings attached. So he's going to make his money, he's going to rebuild his name, or he's going to fail, one of the two. And then on the back end, there's a good chance that he's going to reap the rewards somewhere else. He's going to go somewhere else. I would have preferred a two-year deal with the second year being a team option, and if it doesn't work out, you just waive him. But of course, no player is going to sign up for that right now. But this is a player that probably should have had to sign up like that. He had a horrific season last year. He was so bad that the Houston Rockets waived him like 63 games into the season. He did finish the season uh, with the Indiana Pacers playing like 13 games, and he went to the, the playoffs with them and played in all seven playoff games. But he didn't blow the doors off of anyone. And I, I think this guy needs to get right. And, and he's still young. He's not even 29. He'll be 29 in like 65 days or something. Uh, so in like two months, he'll be he'll be 29 years old. He he should have plenty of legs in him. I remember when the Isaiah Thomas thing came up, and sorry to bring up Isaiah, uh, uh, Aaron. Sorry to bring up Isaiah. But when <laughs> Don't I, apologize to me. Apologize to them. When the Isaiah yeah, they're, Thomas, they're the thing, ones that have to live with that. When they were when the Kings were deciding whether or not what to do with Isaiah, I, Pete D'Alessandro had said, "Well, I don't think he's a top tier point guard," and I said, "Well." He's. I, he said, I just don't think he's big enough. I, I don't think he's good enough. And and I said, he said to be a starter, not to be a six man. Sure. And I said, but you had Ty Lawson in Denver. Oh, don't even compare him to Isaiah Thomas. Ty Lawson is so much better. He's so much better. It's like, well, okay. That's another instance where Pete Alessandro was wrong. Isaiah Thomas has gone on to have a much better career, an All Star career, uh, and he's just building where Ty Lawson has completely sunk himself. But, you know, two years ago, the guy averaged over 15 points and 9.6 assists a game. He was third in the NBA behind Chris Paul and John Wall in assists. The year before, he was at like 17 and 8.6. I mean, he's got plenty of talent. He just has this whole other side to him. So I don't know. On the basketball side, though? Yeah. There's first of all, we're seeing. I think people are starting to realize that assists are an overrated uh, stat. Uh, that they can they can really misrepresent the talent level of a player. And um, you know, with Ty Lawson, I think that 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 might have been the case a little bit in Denver in that particular drive and kick system. But on the basketball side as well, he's been playing through injuries since his North Carolina days. And and when we were watching him during his heyday. In Denver, the thought on our minds was always, when is he going to fall apart? Because he has played through literally every injury known to man. And um, this is what happens with a lot of guys that are in their 25, 26, 27 year old years. They've been playing through this stuff. They don't ever really take a ton of time off, though Ty Lawson started taking time off toward the end there in Denver. And it's possible that it all just caught up with him. I mean, there were times, even in his North Carolina days during. Um, I don't know if they won the championship or if they just played. In the, I'm pretty sure they won. I mean, his ankle was hanging by a thread, and he just went out there and played. So I wonder how much of that has caught up with him. And as a smaller player, you know, it is a little bit harder to get shots off. So um, 
those would be my concerns from a basketball perspective is can he even get to a level where he would be close to a starting point guard in the NBA? I think he can. I mean, I think he can he can still get back to that, but it's going to take dedication. It's going to take some major life changes. And, and I mean, that's the second part we'll get to, but you're right. Explosion was gone. Uh, his lift was suspect, uh, really struggled to get um, to get the three-point shot going during the season, I think. But when you put him in the Houston Rockets system with uh, with James Harden, who just sits there and dribbles the ball out every single time, I mean, you just have nothing but ball-dominant players. What do you do? I mean, if you're a point guard, how do you be a point guard in that system? I think he has an opportunity Wait. in Sacramento to move and cut and to do a lot of different things. And I also I, I kind of like the speed and quickness that they'll have with Carlson and Ty Lawson. And let's be honest, the Kings really needed a backup point guard, and not some some trashy whatever. They need a real backup slash starter point guard because Darren Carlson is going to miss time. We all know that Darren Carlson is going to miss time. That is, I mean, it's almost a sure thing that he will miss time. So not just from injury, but from suspension. And so you have to have somebody, and they're just, I don't think there was anyone else that had the talent level that was available that could actually potentially help you become a better team, potentially. I'm not guaranteeing that Ty Lawson is going to increase the win total by five wins, but you know what? He could, and that's the thing where most of the players available just had the 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 option of keeping the status quo while Darren Collison is gone. And I think this guy has an opportunity to to do that, but then to help you on top of it. I mean, he's better than Aaron Brooks. Not right now. (laughs) No, sorry. I can't go there. Well, the Kings had Aaron Brooks like four years ago when he was so atrocious, and he was the guy who took the money and was like, oh, boy, what am I doing? Interestingly, he had an okay year. If you understand where Aaron Brooks should be in his career, he had an okay year in that respect. Um, You know, Ty Lawson, he actually replaces Ty Lawson to Indy. uh, And and Ty, you know, he he got hurt in Indy. And so that's also, I think, with the culmination of all of the off-court stuff and the fact that he's lost his fastball, so to speak, I think that's why, you know, Ty Lawson is where he is right now. And I don't know. I'm looking at some available point guards and I'm sitting there thinking you could have gone a different direction if you're the Kings. Uh, Norris Cole, I don't know about his health. Uh, I don't know about his off-court situation because nobody seems to want him. Uh, You know, you got players like Cole, Lawson, Terrence Jones. I mean, these guys are big names in, in in the grand scheme of things. And they're getting prove it deals for one year and the minimum. And, and that's got to make you wonder with Norris Cole though. I mean, he's got the same agent as LeBron and he turned down money last year and then had a nasty back injury down the stretch um, where he could have really showcased himself in the middle of basically just kind of, you know, bad basketball uh, tanking and and an opportunity to get really good stats. And he wasn't able to get, get on the floor. A guy like Donald Sloan, I I'm, I think he's still available. I would have probably looked at him. Might have even looked at Shane Larkin. Um, I might have looked overseas and tried to pull somebody from overseas. I'm not talking about big names because I really think Garrett Temple can handle whatever the duration of the suspension is for Darren Collison. 
Uh, and that's an, a segue of its own with yeah, the that's decision gonna be to pick other... up Ty Lawson. Um, yeah. But this, this, um, I, I just, I think there's, there's, there's actually some risk in doing this to the Kings, just in the sense that it doesn't send the, a great message about culture. Uh, there is the potential for for Lawson to come in and rub off on guys the wrong way. Uh, be a distraction, stuff like that. But be a as negative I negative influence, a very he could be a very, very big negative influence. But the one reason I, I said that there was a, this was low risk on on the um, on Twitter last night is you just cut the guy, and that's something that the Kings haven't been great at in the past. Is like when you know something's not working, you just cut him. Well, they the cut Kings JJ Hickson. I remember that they cut JJ Hickson. Yeah, they didn't cut George Carl. <laughs> and they, 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 didn't, they didn't cut off Rondo from pounding the air out of the ball or, or, or standing there and watching guys go around on defense. They didn't cut certain things. They don't cut things well. They only cut coaches well. <laughs> and okay, so they, um, they don't do they, they don't cut coaches well after that. I don't know. Before we segue to what it means for the rest of the roster, let's let's discuss why we keep th- this like his off the court issues, and his off the court issues are abundant. I mean this. This isn't a one, uh, you know, a one mistake guy. Even, you know, to be honest with you, it's not a Darren Collison situation where a guy who's been a model citizen his entire career all of a sudden stumbles and has has a a night where he wishes he could take things back and who knows what will happen there. This is a habitual offender. This is a guy who picked up his first DUI in 2008 he had another DUI Missouri sometime between 2008 and 2015, and then he had two DUIs in one year in 2015. He has a drinking problem, and that's something that, I mean, it's well known around the league that he has a drinking problem. And on top of that, he has a drinking and driving problem. And he did an interview with Mark Spears for uh, for the Vertical I'm not for the vertical. I'm sorry, Mark, for the undefeated. And there are some lines in here that I just I can't get over. And number one, he blames a lot of his issues on social media and how bad his year was and how bad things have been for him because people are picking on him on social media. So I'm not okay with that. That's that's just ridiculous in my mind. But uh, there's a line in here that that like really just I couldn't believe that he said it and you know he, he's talking about I'm I'm not a person who gets drunk in the morning and and all this stuff I, I'm not someone who's drunk all the time I just like to go out and celebrate um you know let me read this line uh I, Mark Spears asked him do you purposely refrain from doing certain things or going to certain places not really I wouldn't be out late at night or anything like that, that would give people any type of excuse, again, to go on social media and, and hammer him. I pretty much did the same things I always do. The times I got in trouble, I was caught drinking and driving. I don't drive anymore or do anything irresponsible. Mostly I've been just staying in and staying out of the spotlight. So he's not. It, it's not that he's not drinking anymore. It's that he's just not driving anymore. And to me, that shows an irresponsibility. Well, in fairness, he does, he does say he's been staying in, in that quote. But staying in, that doesn't – I mean, Aaron, do uh, you it, not stay in and drink? No, that's – no, what I'm, what I'm saying is it, it's probably more 
it, if you're trying to take his side in this, you would probably say, hey, look, he's staying in. You know, hey, that's half the battle right there. Just stay inside your house. Half the battle. <laughs> Just so you don't get a DUI. Who cares? Well, I mean, because because if he's going to the club, I mean, that's that's like just putting it right in his face. Yeah, but who cares if you're a professional athlete who who has a drinking issue? Uh, well, we yeah, and I, with the, the overall tone of what you're saying and what you're trying to get across, I agree with is this does not sound like a guy that has repented, repented, gotten it, light bulb, click, you know, however you want to put it. It, it does not seem like he has figured it out, and that's I think why a player with this type of a name would be on a prove it deal is, I mean, Houston was in the playoff chase and they just cut him. I, I hope so. Yeah. But and, I mean, you're bringing in a guy to be a point guard, to help run your team. This isn't, this isn't some third small forward who may or may not have beat up Derek Fisher. This is, this is one of your guys. This is one of your rotational guys. This is and what should be one of your uh, your team leaders. And again, in 2013, he and his pregnant girlfriend were arrested for a domestic dispute. Here we are again with the same situation. This is this is a guy who has question marks, and you're bringing him into a situation where you don't need question marks. You you sign Anthony Tolliver. Because of his character, not because he's an an incredible NBA player, but because of his character. You sign Garrett Temple because of his character. You bring in Aaron Aflalo. He's known as a good locker room guy. These are the these are the things that you the steps that you took. They didn't you didn't take those steps so it opened the door to take on Ty Lawson. You took those steps because you already had a broken situation. So now you're you're hoping that you can piece it together. And I think, again, we get back to what's the reward? The reward is if Ty Lawson has a great season, he's either going to want $14 million a year from you or he's going to bolt for the first offer. That's that's yeah. the reward. I, I mean, barring a Darren Collison injury, I don't know how he could even statistically have a great season. Or, But, but to your point, you're, you don't have him locked up for the following year, and that would then – negate the purpose of of incubating this risk i uh i I just don't think that if i'm doing this deal i'm i'm trying to make sure that he's either a rock solid third point guard that is out of the rotation which i that sounds a little strange but that's where i just think his talent level is right now or he comes in garrett temple starts and he he provides you know 15 to 20 minutes off the bench to make sure that you don't have to play isaiah cousins because right now, if you have to play Isaiah Cousins, you're you're in big trouble. Well, I don't think Isaiah Cousins is on this roster when you look I, at I, that's now. Well, that's kind of, I guess, the, the, the reality of the situation is they don't have a solution for those backup minutes behind Garrett Temple. And uh, Garrett Temple can play 34 minutes a game. Heck, he could probably play 36 to 38 minutes per game during the time that Darren Collison is out. He's done that in Washington. He's proven he can handle it as well. So... Um, but then you still have those backup minutes. And it doesn't matter if you wanted to try to do something creative. You have to have a backup point guard if you're going to be looking at 5, 10 or more games for, for Darren Collison. Um, Steve Blake is a guy. I, I think he's available. I, I would yeah. have looked at Steve Blake. 
See, Blake, but a, you come to some of the guys like Blake and Heinrich and but this loss or not thing, they want to come in. This Lawson thing's been around the organization forever. And that's, I think, the other interesting angle, almost hilarious angle, is George Carl pushing for Ty Lawson all this time and, and, and theoretically a Pete D'Alessandro. You know, that would have made sense. Yeah, they tried to get Ty Lawson multiple times. They're gone. This is not their, this is not their move. So it, it makes you wonder whose move is it? Well, I mean, I think it's a move by the front office that, I mean, desperate times come for desperate measures. But at the same time, they should have also, and I don't know whether they did or not, they should have also consulted Costa Kufis, who spent four seasons with Ty Lawson in Denver. They should have consulted Aaron Aflalo, who spent three seasons with Ty Lawson in Denver. Maybe they did. Maybe both of those guys said, look, he's a good guy. He's just kind of lost his way. Maybe. Uh, but I, I don't know. And and so that in itself, there's some continuity there. And I guess that leads us to the question, what does it mean for the rest of the players? Because from what I can tell right now, Aaron, that this signing here and the fact that, number one, when you sign uh, Ty Lawson, you've been trying to deal Rudy Gay for a small four, I mean, for a, for a point guard the whole time. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to shore up the point guard position by taking Rudy Gay and turning him into that. And they were not successful. You add Ty Lawson, that kind of tells me that Rudy Gay is probably starting on the roster. He's he's probably going to be on the roster come game one. And so what does that mean for the rest of the team? Number one, you mentioned Garrett Temple. For me, Garrett Temple is now the third point guard. He's now the third shooting guard. And he's also the fourth small forward. So you just gave a guy $32 million over four years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, either it was three or it was four years for Garrett Temple. And in doing so, where is he going to play? I mean, that, I, that's a I, huge issue. But I, I, I would say Temple is going to – he'll be at least the backup. I could see him becoming the starting two – um, eating into a flawless minutes, uh, he'll dis- uh, he'll he'll by just pure basketball talk here, he'll he'll render Macklemore useless. He'll also make sure that Malachi doesn't step ahead of him in the rotation. The three spot is just so just loaded with players right now. I don't think that he would crack the three with the way that the team is set up right now. But Temp- I wouldn't worry about Temple and his deal. I, I think he'll be fine earning that that amount of money, and he'll play. I, I would put his minutes this season. He'll probably play more than twenty five minutes a game this season. That's gonna be Just, tough. And and I would get more aggressive if I knew, like, say, if the, the Collison suspension came back and say like fifteen games, I would bump that up to like twenty seven or twenty eight. Okay, but that also means if he's gonna play that much, you're going to need Rudy Gay. Uh, Omri Caspi and Matt Barnes, all three of those guys are going to spend time at the four, which now means you've got Willie Cauley-Stein and Anthony Tolliver and Scal LeBCier. So again, now we're going into Tolliver's minutes most likely. To, uh, to I have Tolliver out of the rotation as as of right now. Scal way out of the rotation. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Scal is I out. Mean, of, I mean, Scal is going to play well, but, although. Although Dave Yeager did say on a podcast that Scal is going to play at the power spot. I mean, he is going to play minutes this year. Yeah, we'll see. If, I mean, there's going to be injuries, and then there's going to be, theoretically, a trade 
that eases the rotation. Because, I mean, you, you got Costa. You might as well play him 15 minutes a game. You know, that's kind of what he's done his entire career. It's hard to see him not being in the rotation. Uh, I, I, I don't think you could play Papa Giannis at all. No, um, I, at this point, Papa Giannis doesn't see the court, but like three uh, minutes a game in his rookie. In his and rookie that's year. fine, you know. And, and what'll be interesting to see is if they put him in the D League to get him minutes. Um, he, he's such a big guy, you know, training and, and making sure that he his weight is is low is is one thing. But being around an NBA team and being a high pick, I almost think that they might keep him with the team. Uh, it, it would be hard to see him in the D League though it could do him well. And then at the same time, a man of his size, you want to keep the minutes down in some respects. So he doesn't put the wear and tear on the tires. That, that decision is interesting to me. The rotation, if you have Rudy Gay around, Matt Barnes and Rudy Gay and Omri Caspi are going to prohibit any minutes from going to the, to the guards into the three bucket. So yeah. you're just not going to see – so that – I mean, a flawless – all the guys we just named, yeah. yeah, it's it's gonna it's tight, and and that never works, and <laughs> it never ever works. And uh, one thing I'll say about Jaeger is he's pretty good with this stuff. Like I haven't seen too much complaining out of Memphis, other than the standard kind of you know basketball wonk type discussions of minutes here and minutes there. But there hasn't been like some Scott Skiles level what the heck is this guy doing with minutes or, you know, on down the list of coaches that have had problems distributing minutes. But when you have a crowded rotation, nobody's really fed well. Everybody gets a little they, surly. They get yeah. cranky. And yeah. so we'll see how that goes. As long as they know the rules, NBA players are usually okay. As long as they know that there's a good chance they're going to play or they're not going to play. Uh, it just, I mean, clearly the guys who are used to playing starting 82 games a year and are playing 28 minutes or 35 minutes a night, they, they get cranky. Um, but the other guys, usually they fall in line pretty much. The one thing about Jaeger that I'll point out too is that he's always had a variety of bigs, a whole you know slew of different styles of bigs. You know, you got Zebo and you've got Gasol and you can even throw Costa in that with Memphis. But then he also had guys like Ed Davis and... Lauer and uh, Brandon Wright, he had, you know, all of these different bigs that he could throw different looks all the time. And he likes to do that. He likes to mix and match. So I guess he does have some some ability here to to make some huge moves. And, I'm, you know, again, Willie Cauley-Stein has to earn 30-plus minutes a night. He doesn't just get 30-plus minutes a night, especially when it's so crowded. And I think Omri and, and Rudy Gay together were incredible for stents last year i mean george carl even said you know during early january they changed they saved our season the two of them together and so maybe they they play a lot together like that i'm not sure i just know that this is a very very odd collection of players that are going to need so much time to mesh and then you're also on top of that you're going to have the colson situation where he's potentially gone while you're trying to mesh early in the season probably won't even get to start the whole process of real team chemistry until 10 games into the season and so i I don't know it's going to be intriguing Aaron. yeah and this is why there was so much pressure on last season to make decisive moves at the all-star break to treat the last half of that season the last third of that season as basically the beginning of this season and the tanking and the 
you know, the, the not wanting to fire a coach because of how it would look or to pin, maybe even to pin the bad vibes of the franchise on him, you know, so they didn't necessarily kind of climb back up into the ownership levels where, you know, people made the decisions. And, and I mean, heck, players were told that, that George Carl was on their way on his way out. And then it didn't happen. That really it gave them nothing to work with this year. And now as they step into this situation, which they could not have foreseen, admittedly with the Darren Collison stuff, but that's the way this thing works. There's constantly curveballs being thrown your direction, especially for bad teams. And so when you have to prove to DeMarcus Cousins that you can win and there's going to be another fresh set of headlines written about how, you know, XYZ team is interested in, in DeMarcus Cousins and this, that and the other. And you saw reports come out that said one league executive said that they didn't see like any chance of DeMarcus Cousins staying. And I thought that was probably overdone a little bit. But you're going to have that stuff happening all year. And there's going to be people in Sacramento writing about DeMarcus Cousins about getting him to leave. And and so you're going to see the first third of this season be a Petri dish for what's going to happen with DeMarcus Cousins. You have a lot of curveballs, a lot of wrinkles to iron out with Darren Collison out and all of these players that you're trying to get minutes for. And it's 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 a little bit the the, the, the degree of difficulty on the dive is high. I'll put it that way. But I, I kind of feel like the the Kings are a catcher who just keeps throwing the curveball sign down. <laughs> was Vladi sitting out there pitching, like just waving it off, and the catcher refuses to? Like, oh, that was a hanger, and it's in the left field bleachers. My bad. Another curveball? Another curveball. You know, sometimes, sometimes you bring it upon yourself, so... So if it's not one of those situations, let's hope that Ty Lawson has decided that he's ready to be a functioning member of an NBA franchise. And by functioning, I mean all the way functioning, not making excuses about social media, making excuses about the media, making excuses about just not driving anymore as as like <laughs> the answer to alcohol problems. Uh, and, and let's hope that this is a, a signing that makes sense. And who knows, maybe Ty Lawson finds a home and everything works out. I, you know, all I keep remembering is him smoking a hookah saying, I'm heading to Sacramento last, <laughs> last year's draft. That one's going to be tough to get out of my head. Yeah. But the thing is, is if it doesn't work, you just cut him and hopefully the Kings, didn't you know they're not like married to this decision i mean i from what i'm hearing is this thing's been kind of in the works for a while that means that it has roots you know from the past i i don't know i th- th- they need to make sure this isn't a rondo situation where rondo is essentially given carte blanche and you know got all the headlines and and really the team got worse uh, under his watch but that's and not it, jaeger style that's not I mean, I, I don't think it's Jaeger style either. Um, and, and he had interesting comments on Zach Lowe's podcast. I, I don't think he's quite settled on the direction that he's wanting to go with the, the offense. Or he just didn't want to disclose it. But there's a lot of pieces here. They, they need training camp and they need it bad. Yeah. And uh, just so you know, they are. I do know that a lot of the players are meeting in early September to go hang out with each other in uh, in Florida somewhere. 
they're going to have a little pre-training camp, like meet up and, and greet and uh, play some hoop. Um, you know, the other thing I, I can't get out of my head, it's just stuck in my head, is DeMarcus Cousins as a referee. And, oh my god! <laughs> and you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I have I have TweetDeck and I have TweetDeck open on my laptop at all times, and so I have columns for TweetDeck, and I always have I have a Demarcus Cousins column just for his tweets because he's prone to saying things that just you know change the direction of everything in you know snake in the grass tweets and all of that stuff. But there's a a gif of him doing the pelvic thrust. <laughs> which is on my computer at all times. So because oh. it hasn't been pushed down the column yet, it's still on the top of the Demarcus tweet something. Tweet a few things <laughs> to get this thing down off or I'm going to have to delete your column or just shift it way to the right so I don't have to see it anymore. Hey, I I mean I'm not kidding. I had this really important meeting the other day. <laughs> And I saw that, and I walked into this meeting with tears going down my face because how funny that was. It was that, funny. He is that a was, funny dude. That was legit funny. And um, there's there's so much. It's so crazy. This team has so many interesting angles. The the fact that he has a legitimate problem on the court with referees <laughs> that impacts the basketball game, and he's out there making funny videos like that. Yeah, it, it's like different levels of awareness, um, but. That video was that was the funniest NBA related video I've seen in a while. If there's a funnier one, I'd like you guys to send it to me because I want to cry laughing in the middle of a meeting again. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, okay, well, we will try to be back later in the week. Uh, hopefully, there will be some more news. Maybe the Kings will trade someone. Maybe they'll sign someone. We just don't know. But uh, see, get news out of the way. The the basics out of the way. From what I know. Training camp will begin September 27th. It will be held in Sacramento this year, which is interesting because last year it was in beautiful La Jolla, San Diego. Uh, it, it was a, a nice spot on the campus of UCSD. Um, this year it will be in Sacramento. Media Day is the 26th of September, so we're within a couple of weeks of this whole thing rolling. Uh, it uh, Dale Kassler just tweeted out that, according to the Sacramento Kings, the Golden One Center will be completed two to three weeks early before Paul McCartney show on October 4th and 5th, and which I, I will be at the second show of the Paul McCartney concert. Uh, that should be fun. But uh, the the arena is almost done. That means that the arena is like two weeks from completion if that doesn't just send chills down people's back I, I don't know what would uh that's absolutely incredible i don't know aaron do we have any final thoughts any final ideas here what do you got well when you bring up the arena just you know five years or so you know covering the the situation and the blood sweat and tears that i witnessed you know get put into that thing from a league level to a team level to a community level, it, it I just got a couple chills when you when you brought that up because it's really not real yet. I mean, we went, we saw the arena, and you know, you drive by it and you do see the progress and you see everything that's going on with it. So it's not like it's not in your face, but it's still just not quite real yet. And to see that actually open up 
it's going to be something else. And hopefully I can get the time to write some stuff about it. I'll definitely be writing about the opening night. But, um, man, I got notes. I got books. I got stuff to write. And, um, you know, those stories are really good. So I hopefully will get to write them. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, uh, and, you know, the last time me and Aaron went for a tour, uh, it was destroyed five minutes in by the Darren Collison situation. Uh, yeah, we are five minutes into the tour, and boom, my phone goes off. It's the district attorney had press charges. So uh, hopefully that will get cleared up. Uh, that is September 8th. Again, September 8th, we should know the final outcome. I don't think they're going to push it back anymore. This is a life is a negotiation, according to David Stern. And uh, that is what Darren Collison and his attorneys and the district attorneys are going through right now, a negotiation. And uh, so we should know something new on that front very soon. Um, so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. For Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We'll see you soon. Win your share of $1 million all season long with a Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to start winning. Presented by Rivers Casino Portsmouth. Must be 21. Playable in Virginia only. Gambling problem? Call 1 888 532 3500.